0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things Supercoach all season long. Please welcome your hosts. Whisper and Brew.
1: Well, Chrissy has come and gone. New Year's has come and gone. We're officially into 2022. That means Supercoach is going to ramp up. And uh, look, Brew and I have been planning what's coming up in the new year. We've got not one, not two, not four, but three podcasts a week between now and the end of February. We're going to cover everything from positions to teams to Basically, you name it, to, to get you through the hard slog that is the NRL preseason. As I said, as always, joined by the wonderful Brew. Mate, how was uh, the Chrissy and then how was the New Year? Was Santa good to you?
2: Uh, Santa was very good to me. The Marvel nerd uh, that I am was taken care of very much so. Um, happy New Year to all our followers and to yourself, Josh. Uh, let me just say I'm glad that uh Supercoach is back because uh, COVID ruined my NFL dreams, knocked me out of multiple semifinals, so I'm one hundred percent focused now on Super Coach.
1: Yeah, um for anyone that didn't see I, I participated in the uh NRL Supercoach versus NRL fantasy uh, NFL sort of draft over the offseason. Um I guess some of the the bigger creators from from both uh, sides of the fantasy landscape. We all took each other on, and um, and Top Sport sponsored that one, and, and your boy took it out. So, uh, Top Sport kindly donated two thousand dollars to, uh, the Black Dog Institute, which was my charity of choice. Uh, they also gave me two thousand dollars. Um, I put a thousand towards Black Dog as well. I also put five hundred towards Beyond Blue, and kept five hundred for myself just to top up the Christmas kitty. Um, I got a Lynx deodorant pack, so. I think I won Christmas. It came with uh, five body sprays. So the missus must be telling me something, but we are here to talk super coach, mate. We're here to talk the hookers or I should say lack of hookers this year. It's, it's looking pretty slim pickings, isn't it?
2: Yeah. There's not a, um, great deal of depth so we're, we're going to focus on probably eight to ten guys today the top half being what we would consider guns for the position and then we'll go through some some more mid-card options and maybe a few cheaper options or lack thereof this season.
1: As I said at the top of the show three podcasts a week Brew and I are putting ourselves through torture to get you guys the information that, that you need. As I said in these positional podcasts we're not really going to touch on the cheapies or or, or the the unknowns just yet because it is still so early in the preseason. But once more comes to light, we'll definitely be focusing on those guys uh, specifically. But as Bruce said today, we'll just be touching on, I guess, the guys that you're going to see a lot of you in in a lot of sides and a lot of Rate My Teams. And and we'll give our sort of thoughts on them, our our feedback, and and we'll go from there. Uh, As I said, mate, we're we're touching hookers. Uh, You've done a lot of the research on this one, a lot of the heavy lifting for the hookers. So uh, I'll let you kick off with, I guess who you and I have ranked number one and and who a lot of people have ranked number one. And um, there's no arguments from me when it comes to Harry Grant.
2: No, um, look, he's the highest priced player for a reason. Uh, 74 average uh, last season. Um, I've broken down his stats a little bit uh, for our viewers. Uh, So he has 37 in base. Um, That's not the highest of the position, Um, but when it comes to his attack, it's by far the highest of the position and that is 40 per week. Last year, um, probably a downer for Smith was his minutes. Uh, only 59 minutes was his average last season. Um, when it comes to the 60-60 club, uh, basically that means you know scoring 60-plus. He was at um, 69%, which is a really good conversion rate and obviously means that he's a very consistent player. Um, a few little notes that I've got here. I believe Brendan Smith won't play hooker this year. I think he will move to lock. Uh, Fanukin has left the club. There is a vacancy there. I think that may mean that his minutes increase. And I think that he only needs a minimum of a six-minute increase, and that will bump his average up to 81 based on his current PPM. And if he were to become a 70-minute-plus hooker, you're looking at 87.5 as his projected average, which is unreal, incredible.
1: Yeah, he was, playing, he was playing monster minutes at the Tigers when he sort of burst onto the scene, and, and his attack was not as polished as what, is, as what it is now. Uh, Harry Grant, look, yeah, his minutes were down last year. Had those sort of recurring little niggling injuries, but as you said, with Brandon Smith, I think Brandon Smith will be rotated through the 13 a lot heavier this year. Obviously, at the moment, we've got Tui Kamakamika stood down. We don't know what the future of him is going to look like. Uh, we've also got the the nelson ask for Solomon situation. It's, it's hard to comment on that right now, um, but... Yeah, look, we take it for what it is at the moment. Um, look, we'll touch on the Melbourne preview closer to the to the start date, but I think Brandon Smith is probably the starting 13 with, with Grant as the 9. And um, I, I back Grant's fitness over, over Smith's. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing upwards of closer 70, which would take him to around a an 80 average. And uh, I remember posting that on socials probably a month ago when a lot of people were undecided on, on Grant and, and where he would sit. As I said, if he was playing round one, he should be owned by close to thirty-five, forty percent of teams, in my opinion. But the fact that he is out for round one makes it a little bit trickier, and and you're going to have to to navigate that as as at the moment, uh, I'm taking the punt on him in round one. But yeah, no no issues with me with him ranking as as the one hooker mate. No,
2: absolutely not. Moving on to number two, um, and there might be debate about this, but I have Reed Marnie as the number two hooker. Um, Now, his average last season was 68. That is the second best or equal second best for this position. Um, His base is really good. Um, So he's got a 45 base, which is eight higher than Grant. Um, His attack, obviously, he's not the attacking player that Harry Grant is. So his attack came in at 26 per week. Uh, His minutes were very solid at 68 minutes per week. And I don't really see that that's going to change, even if he is leaving the club. Um, Now, his 60-60 was only at 53%, so his consistency is not as good. Um, Pre-injury, seven of his eight scores, though, were above that 60 mark. And seven of those eight games were at 80 minutes. So did his injury end up affecting his season so that when he came back, reduced minutes, less consistency? What I'm saying is, if Marnie's good to go for this season, full health, there is the potential for higher minutes, which would knock that average up. If he is playing 80, I've uh, got a projected average at 72.5, which is elite.
1: I'm not sure if he plays 80. They've got the signing of Mitch Rain. Uh, I don't think they've signed Mitch Rain to, to sit on his hands and do nothing. I would I would expect him to to rotate through a potential 14. The concern I've got a couple of concerns with Reed Marnie. I don't want him to end up like a Gareth Widdop with these shoulders having continual. Uh, issues with them. I also think 68 is sort of his peak. Uh, I, I spoke about this to you yesterday uh, off mic. He had 13 try assists in, I think, 17 games. So a very, very uh, high attack output when, when it comes to that. And I rate Reed Marnie very highly. Uh, I probably have him as a better natural hooker than Brandon Smith. I think Brandon Smith's a better player, but I have Marnie as the better hooker. I just worry that he's very... Uh, what's the way to put it? Fragile. No, no, not fragile. Uh, Safe. He's very, very safe. Like, I don't think he'll ever let you down. I just don't think he has that monster ceiling that other guys in this list that we're going to cover do. And as I said, like, I think we saw the best of his attacking output last year with those 13 assists in 17 games. I don't know how much higher he can go, but in saying that, I don't think he's going to disappoint you either. He's currently priced at 594K. I think he's worth every bit of that. I don't see the average dropping off a cliff. Um, but we, we obviously have other guys here. I know that you are starting with Reed Money, and I think it's okay to say that if, if Harry Grant was fit round one, you'd be starting with Grant over Money.
2: Oh, absolutely. If I can find the, uh, I think it's fifty k that I need. I will start with Grant uh, over Money. It's just squad balance at the moment. I found it easier to to put Money there, and Money's also got an elite draw to start. So I'm kind of hoping that that junk that you spoke of that's probably not viable to continue as it did last year. As long as it continues for the first six to eight weeks, I'd be quite happy and then I'll move him on to Harry Grant.
1: Yeah, the, the very impressive thing is the 45 base and that and that is pure base. That is not base power or anything. That That is strictly what the, the work he gets through. So you've got a really good floor there and if you can find even 70% of, of the attacking output that he had last year, he's going to be a fine pickup and he'll be a fine hold until Harry Grant comes back in round two or if you want to hold Marnie until that draw dries up and you pick up. Um, Grant then, then then go for it but yeah look I'm, I'm not against Reid Marnie I'm just obviously nowhere near as high on him as I am with Harry Grant mate number three I'm very cold on if he is playing 13 as we discussed on like he statistically averages far less the beauty of Brandon Smith's game is him two metres out from the line that's where he's going to generate a lot of points and that's where he's going to make owners feel happy but if he's playing through 13 he does not average anywhere near as enough to warrant the nearly 600k price tag for mine, we're, we're picking him up. We're picking him up based on the output that he had a hooker,
2: yeah, absolutely. So, going off what you said in relation to his attack, his attack numbers are 34, uh, which is almost it's second only to Harry Grant, basically. And it's a good probably 10 points ahead of the next best person that we'll discuss. So, his attack is a big part of his game, his base is only 38. Now, that's not terrible, um, but all the other hookers have a 40-plus base. So um, I think there's probably better options. Um, I might need to do some homework for the viewers and compare his all his numbers when he's played 13 compared to nine um, because I think it's probably going to be the case that he does play lock this season. Um, now, he's leaving the club. I don't think that'll affect his minutes early in the season. I think it could affect it at the later end of the season where he becomes more of an impact player like he's played in seasons past he also scored 11 tries uh last season which is probably an unrealistic number for him to achieve year in year out so without that junk you're going to see a drop in average his average last season was 68 uh, which is pretty much on the mark for the top five players that we're going to discuss today
1: now, you mentioned you want to do some homework. I had, I had a quick look while you were talking. So last year, he played two games starting at 13, uh, 62 and 64, which is good. <clears throat> but in 2020, he played a lot of games at prop, a couple of games at nine, a couple of games off the bench, and it was just very fluctuating. And I do worry that that's what's going to happen this year. I don't think he's going to be shut out completely like um, some are talking about. I think Melbourne will compete, and they're going to play their best 13. And I think Brandon Smith is a part of that best 13. It's just a lot of money to be paying for some unknowns, like when it comes to what his role is going to be. Because I don't think he's displacing Harry Grant at nine, both fully fit. Because like we know that Grant was carrying injuries last year, and that's probably why Brandon Smith peaked him there a little bit. But I just, yeah, I just worry that what his rotation is going to be like when it comes to when it comes to the season. It's like I said, nearly six hundred k when you can just spend that on Grant you know what i mean like
2: yeah. like the, that, there's lots yeah. of options across both obviously he's dual second row there's options across both positions that you could take over him he misses that first week he doesn't have the attacking upside of harry grant um so i feel that he's a a wait and see see how he goes see how melbourne utilize him this season and then grab him at that time
1: now damian cook it's <laughs> it's one of those talking points that we always think he's going to come back to his best. I'm just going to pull up um, his sort of stats over the last couple of years because they have been sort of dropping dramatically, and, and people put that down to Wayne Bennett. But 2018 was the year with Seabold, I'm pretty sure from memory, uh, 79 points a game. First year with Bennett in 19, 76 points a game, Through a three-point drop off there. 2020, 70 points a game, so a six-point drop off there. And then last year averaged 66, so basically in the last four years he's dropped off 13 points a game. Look, I understand that Bennett probably killed the running game a little bit, but Cookie is, I think, 31, I want to say, without doing any research. Yeah. But, like, fa- far the time is undefeated. And I just worry that that's what, that's what we're seeing here now. And I, I worry that he's developing more into a playmaker rather than that explosive runner that we saw when he was 26, 27. It's, it's a good price to, to look at him at, at 575 with, with what we know we can do. And it's a, it's a double-edged sword with no a ray. So, like, does does Cook explode because of no Reynolds, or does he sort of shell up a little bit? We know that the connection with him and Cameron Murray is is what is lethal. I'm just not sold on on him come next year.
2: I'm not sure. Everyone says that Bennett killed Cook. I'm not sure if that was necessarily the case. I looked at his base for the last four years. And it's extremely consistent. It was 51, 47, 50, 45. So basically 45 to 50 per game for the last four seasons. That's brilliant. There's no problems there whatsoever. His attack was the interesting one. So going back to the seasons you stated, so it was 31 in that first season. It was 31 again the following season. And I believe that was under Bennett. Then it drops off. It goes down to 17 and to 23. Now, I think that might actually be because of Latron Mitchell.
1: Because they have because, because they have another option now to use. Yeah, Mitchell and Cody, whilst they've
2: been playing together, have been so destructive on that left edge. I think that that might actually be the reason. I'd have to really do some homework and deep dive to 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 work this out. But he only scored two tries last season, which for him is a dramatic drop off. Um, and just looking at it, it's. It's odd that over the last two seasons, his attacking stats almost halved compared to the season's prior because his base is completely consistent. So he's still working out of the ruck. So maybe he's passing before the line and we did see that a little bit under Bennett, but he's still got the work rate there to have a decent floor. But where are the attacking stats gone for a guy that was shredding it? Uh, what was it? 2018. He had that 79 average you spoke of.
1: Yeah. So 2018 was the the last year under Seabold, and, and and yeah, he, he brained it. It is interesting to note what what you've said there when it comes to the emergence of Latrell Mitchell, because it did feel like when their backs against the wall, it's like, all right, Cookie, just pull us out of like pull us out of the depths, like give us something. Whereas now it it does feel like. When there's nothing happening, it's just give the ball to Cody and have Latrell sit outside him and see what they can do because they're both very destructive. And yeah, I mean, it, it's also, I think it comes down a lot with Cam Murray as well. Like Cam Murray is, is a very good super coach player. It's just a case of is he going to um, link up with Cook through the middle there as well. With no Adam Reynolds, that, that could be the number two play especially with a quick play of the ball uh, as the game speeds up. But we've, we've been saying this now for three years, like the game is getting quicker and quicker and cookie should be the, the, uh, the, the big winner of that. But as I said, like father Time's undefeated and he, he definitely has a, a higher ceiling. Like if you're comparing him to someone like a read money Marnie, money's 20 K more money is obviously the safer pick, but like we know cook's got that higher ceiling. I just worry that he'll be what thirty one, thirty two next year. Like it's, it's, it's a physical position hooker and um, I don't know how much, I don't know how much of an impact it's going to have, but they've got Pete Marmasulius there and they've also signed Havili from the Raiders who can, who can fill through nine. I'm not very confident that he plays 80 to be honest.
2: Yeah. um, Well, he's got the best minutes of anyone. So his minutes was 79, sorry, not 79, 78. And basically that's just him getting an early rest one or two games of the season. Every other game was 80 minutes A little fun fact to ponder is that he averaged 84 points over the last six rounds of the season and Latrell missed quite a few of those games. So I might just leave that there. Um, I don't know if I went through his numbers. So his base was 45. That's a good floor. His attack is 23, which dipped heavily. His average last season was 66 at 575 K. So he's going to be an interesting one. Um, I don't know which way to go on it. If he had a better draw, I think I would consider it. Uh, he was, an, in the very first side I picked, I picked Cook because I'm expecting a little bit of a resurgence, but that draw shut it out a little bit for me.
1: Yeah, look, the first four rounds, they've got the Broncos away, which on paper, yeah, looks like a pretty juicy game, but it's the Broncos at Suncourt with all these new signings and, you know, like, it's it, it could be anything. Uh, round two, they've got Melbourne away. Melbourne are going to have Smith, Munster, Grant back. Like, it's going to be that lethal... Uh, Melbourne side that we know of. Round three is the Roosters at home, Sydney derby. Like it's that's going to be a bloodbath. And round four they play the Panthers away. Uh, obviously they're running premiers, so yeah, it's not a not a great start for South under a new coach with no seven. Like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. And look, if you said to me I'm taking a punt on Cook, just know what you're getting yourself into. Like they they could be. Another season in 2022 where he drops off again by another three or four points, which would take him down to, what, 61, 62, which is not great territory. But, like, like I said, we know the, the ceiling that we have with Cook. And you said he came home last year very, very well uh, with, with a great average. And no Latrell, uh, And Luttrell's going to miss the first two rounds, I think, from memory. Yeah. So, there is a world where, where we do take Damien Cook. I, I don't hate that, but... It is concerning that the, the attack has dropped off dramatically, like you said, the last four years, 31, 31, 17, 23, whereas the base has stayed a lot... Consistent. It's consistent, but it also is dropping as well, like 51, 47, 50, 45. So like, that is on, on the decline as well. And if you're taking Cook, just know that these numbers are declining and, and you're just picking him, hoping for a resurgence under uh, a new coach.
2: The base dropping can be attributed to, to South belting so many teams last year, though, and I don't think they're going to do that as, as often this year. Um, so the base doesn't bother me. I feel that it's pretty consistent. If there's a couple of points drop off, you can understand that. It's it's really that attack. The attack's gone down the toilet, and that's the concerning piece.
1: Yeah. So all those all those in mind, uh, I'm saying no to Cook, and then watch him average 82 this season, and I look like a dickhead. Uh, another man that I'm not actually overly keen on, but I've managed to put him in the side because you don't shut up about him. Um, he's in the side now based off pure off, off peer pressure and uh, <laughs> I'm putting this down to you, mate. Take it away.
2: Oh, Cameron McInnes, you beautiful man. Now, just for the listeners, yes, he's going to play lock this season, but given that uh, second row is a deep position and that podcast will probably take us a while to record, I've put him in as the hookers because he's available there. So the numbers here obviously didn't play last season. I've had to use 2020 data um, to give the the, kind of the numbers that I've given for the others. So on that season for games played, there was an average of 76. Uh, His base was 66, which is absolutely incredible. His attack is non-existent. It's only 10 points. So basically you're just looking at a tackle bot. Um, His minutes were 79. Now, probably unrealistic that he's going to play those type of minutes. Um, So I'll break that down a little bit in a moment. Um, He's 60, 60 for that year was 85, 83%. So you pretty much know what you're getting. You're getting at least 60 a week. He's actually priced at a 61 average. So as long as he is the player that he was, I feel that he's an extremely safe option this year and I'll take safe options to the bank. So he had one try uh, in 2020. That was a poor dragon side. I guess that's to be expected. Now, at minimum of 60 minutes, the projective average is 59 based on the scoring settings that we've got at the moment. At 65 minutes, it's 63. Uh and at uh 67 game, oh, hold on, what did I write here? 8 games at lock in that 2020 season, he averaged
1: 73. Yeah, like the the stats are phenomenal, but obviously there's a lot of asterisk next to it now I copped a lot yeah I, I copped a lot of negative feedback which is fine I'm, I'm happy to cop that about him playing lock being getting more hit ups more tackles etc I don't think that's the case I, I think his tackles will stay very similar I think his hit ups may increase ever so slightly but I just worry that they're going to use him in that Victor Radley mold like take it to the line bomb it at the back take it to the line bomb it at the back he's his workload is fantastic I am worried about the ACL, and people can say that that oh he's had the whole year, but he hasn't played footy in close to nineteen months. Come round one, like that that is hard to argue. In saying that, he's in my team because he is priced at sixty-one average. I don't think he goes lower than sixty-one, but I just worry about the minutes that he's playing. I mean, the Sharks have a loaded forward pack, and I don't think they want to bust McInnes up. They've got Franklin Pele, they've got Braden Hamlin Uweli, they have Tolman, they have Rudolph, they have Vanuken. Uh, and that's just off the top of my head without really looking too hard. Jack Williams is another one. So, like, they, they have a lot of middlemen, and I think McInnes offers them something different because he is more mobile, but the first five rounds, I'm just worried that Fitzgibbon's like, all right, let's just play you for 45, 50 minutes, ease you back into it, and go from there. Like, that, that is the biggest concern for me. It's not really the output. Um, I expect a drop in production because playing 13, you're not going to have the attacking chances, a.k.a. look at... Brennan Smith basically you can use the same points that we use on Brennan Smith for Cameron McInnes for me it, it is the minutes that I'm, I'm worried about and it's so hard to say like if he plays that like obviously the trials are going to happen they're going to play three games are full of reserve graders and they'll play one game like with their first team if he plays like 55 minutes I am all in on him if he plays anything less it's it is hard the the beauty is that he is hooker Do we talk about him as much as we are if he was just two RF? That's the question that I want to put.
2: Um, I'd probably still consider it. Um, I'd have to So what are we looking at?
1: Basically we're paying five thirty five for a a strict for a strict two RF that's priced at a sixty one average. So mid fives for, a, say,
2: a 60 average.
1: When you can get someone like a Tamalolo for like 490, I'm pretty sure.
2: Okay. Well, I won't go into details, but Ryan Madison's at 570 and averaged 64 last season. So for me, the answer is yes. Okay. At 535, I'm still picking the at second row.
1: I wasn't sure if we were just blinded by that hooker status, even though it is a huge, a huge It's a, it's a, huge a benefit. Tip.
2: Um, it's, Look, we don't know what the Sharks are going to do, it, and everything you said is spot on. I think the big issue is Turdy Rudolph because he played really, really well in that position last year and they did re-sign him. So I believe that McInnes is going to be played like Brendan Smith was last year. I think he's going to spend time at both hooker um, and lock and I'm okay with that. Um, Minutes, I don't know if trials are going to give us what we want in terms of minutes because I don't think they're going to play more than they have to in those trials. I think he'll play a bit of time over each of them. And then we'll start to see a trend, maybe three or four rounds in of what his actual minutes will be. I'm happy to persevere um, and just stick with it. Um, but I think people need to kind of temper their expectations early. He's probably not going to go out and average 65, 70 from week one. But as long as he does it after a month or five weeks and I can hold him then for the season, I'm happy with that because it's a long game as much as it is a short game, this super coach.
1: That's that's the thing that, that is so different with McKinnis and Smith. Like the thing with Smith is he needs those eleven tries in twenty-one games to be, uh, in in quotation marks, relevant. Whereas McInnes will will just churn through the work whether he's at nine or th- or thirteen. I, if he was playing nine, I'd be all over him. I'd I'd much prefer him at nine than I would at thirteen. But the thing, like, and you mentioned Rudolph. Like, Rudy, Toby, Toby Rudolph is a very good footballer. Like, he is a, a lot of teams will love to have him. But he's very meat and potatoes, isn't he? He doesn't really yeah. offer a whole lot in attack. He's gonna get you thirty-five tackles. He's gonna give you fifteen hit-ups, and you'll never really see a game below seven out of ten for him. It's just, I think, with the with the re-signing of Blake Braley and the signing of Fanukan, I think you've got a really good foundation there for your, for your sort of uh, eight, nine, ten. And then McInnes will play thirteen. It's just a case of what minutes he's gonna get. You are right; he is a season-long keeper because I don't think he's playing Origin, regardless of the form that he's in. It's gonna be very hard to break into that Origin side considering how well they played last year. Uh, and you've still got guys like Angus Crichton, Ryan Madison, Tarek Sims, that all sort of floated in and out of the setup last year, who are probably ahead of McIn- McInnes in the pecking order. So 535 is probably where I'm sitting on him. If he was 570, I'd probably skip it, but 535 is right on the cusp there of of the hookers. And I guess that shows you just how thin this position is because we've got these top five... One of them I'm, it's a slam dunk love for me. Marnie is a safe pick. He's not going to disappoint you. Smith, I'm, I'm very cold on. Cook, I'm very cold on. And McKinnis, I'm sort of indifferent on. So it shows you how top heavy this is. And that's that's the reason why I've gone with Harry Grant despite missing round one.
0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoted for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Yeah. So that's probably the gun chapter of Hooker, and that shows how thin it is that, you know, as you said, two of them are actually second rowers, basically, and the other three kind of speak for themselves. So... That moves us into the mids. Um, Jaden Braley is the first name on the list. Now, obviously, Jaden Braley was the hot ticket to start last season, started like a house on fire. As soon as a few bodies came back, um, his attack kind of died in the arse a little bit, and he basically went down a cliff in the process. So last year, his average was 59. Uh, his base is 48. His base is very solid, so he's definitely a worker in the middle doesn't have much attack. Um, His average attack was nine. uh, And I think you'll find them, you know, 90% of that came in the first 10 weeks. His minutes are 78. So he's one of the few hookers in the comp that basically is an 80 minute hooker. Um, 40% of the time he went over 60 um, and he's priced at 518. So for me, I pay the extra 17 K and I go McInnes. I think he needs attack um, to be relevant. And I don't have much else on him. He's not someone that I'm looking at this year at all. He's, he's at an awkward price, and I'm just simply not interested.
1: The thing with him last year was I think he was 279K from memory uh, when he started the season. And um, I've got a couple of stats here just in front of me, mate. Like, I don't have the, the breakdown of base and, and uh, attack and evade, but whatever. But rounds 1 to 10, the bloke averaged 74.2 in the first 10 rounds. He did not have a score below 57. So when we're talking about his 60-60, and it being 41%, that is all down to rounds 1 to 10, because rounds 11 to 20, he averaged 45.8. That is just under a 30-point drop-off uh, in in the back end of the year. And as I said, in rounds 1 to 10, he did not score below 57. In rounds 11 to 20, he did not score above 58. So that 60-60 club, where it's, where it's sitting at 41%, rounds 11 to 20 did not affect that whatsoever. So his 41% has literally come from the first... Uh, the first 10 rounds, I don't have the stats in front of me, but if his lowest score was a 58, I would expect that nine out of the 10 scores were above 60. And it just shows you how crucial the attack was for him. He's a, he's a very uh, safe player when it comes to footy. Like his base is, what, 48? So that is that is probably the, the second highest base on this list behind McInnes. And McInnes is a bit skewed because of uh, playing in, I guess, before the rule changes. So... Bradley had the highest base of, of this lot uh, but therefore had sort of the lowest attack and you watch some of the, the night's highlights he was always just there like when there was a loose ball he would just be there I remember a couple of times where some kicks went up um, Ponga chased it down or like uh, one of the tall centers chased it down batted it back and he was just there to fall on it and I remember he got a couple of assists close to the line that were a little bit touch and go. Josh King helped him out massively. Uh, the Saifiti boys at the start of the year they were in really good try scoring form. And when you your props are scoring tries, it's mostly down to your hooker putting them over. And that sort of dried up. The Knights didn't finish well at the end of the year. Like I remember, they had one of the best draws. A lot of people were talking all their assets up, uh, myself <laughs> included. I mean, like I was very keen on Bradman Best. I was keen on Pong to come home. And the Knights just didn't fire. And yeah, brightly suffered from that because the attack just wasn't there. And yep. I don't know if it's a positive that Mitchell Pierce has left, like the dominant half, whether he can be doing more ball playing, but he's just a very same with Taby Rudolph, just a very meat and potatoes footballer. which nothing against that. A lot of teams need that, but for super coach. Yeah. If he was like 400, I'd be tempted to have him as my secondary hooker, but the fact he's 518, which is 20 K less than, uh, yeah, Cameron Kinnis is an absolute no-go for me. Uh, another man that, that we're talking a lot about, players leaving clubs or switching clubs, Happy Coruscant, off to the Tigers. A guy that I think a lot of people had high hopes for from Supercoach. I remember a couple of years ago, he had a pretty good season and we thought that'd kick on, but yeah, uh, an average of 55 last year, potentially on the way out. They've got Mitch Kenny there. Like, I still think I still think Coruscant plays a large chunk of the minutes, but yeah, at five or so what is he, four seventy nine. It's hard to, to really get behind any of these mid rangers apart from um I guess the next man that we'll talk about. But Api Corazau though, like it's 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 grim.
2: Yeah, he's also leaving the club to go to the West Tigers, so it's another one of these ones where they could could be succession planning that comes into play. He doesn't have the attacking upside that he had. Um, He he certainly had that in 2020 um, when he started like a house on fire. It seemed to drop off a lot last year. Uh, You'll probably see Mitch Kenny, you know, become more relevant this season. Um, I know Mitch Kenny's got a lot of fans on the internet, so I'm sure that'll please a few Panthers fans. He's just not, not for me this season. Obviously he's, he's always had that injury risk as well. Uh, his 60-60 was only 36%, which is poor. Um, and his base is 44 which is just okay. So, yeah, he's not someone that's hugely on my radar. Just going back to Jaden Bailey for a sec. It looks like Jake Clifford might have had a big part in Braley's downfall. I was I was just having a look whilst you were talking,
1: and Jake J- J- Clifford had a big part in a lot of people's downfall. I think, like, not in the NRL, yeah, but like in just just in Super yeah. Like, I feel like he just took a lot of touches away from that left hand side of the field, so that's one to watch. Yep.
2: Mm. So yeah, I just I had a quick look because I was like I couldn't remember. I remember there was a reason I couldn't start with Braley last year, and it was. I think it was because I thought as soon as Ponga came back, it would take away from his attacking upside. And that did happen to a degree, but he still played okay for a few weeks. And then Clifford joined the club and just killed the club, basically. So, yeah, I just wanted to touch back on that. Um, and Coruscant was a hard no from me.
1: Yeah, look, for the people listening, I'm sure I can hear the enthusiasm in our voices has... <laughs> Probably dropped a little bit when it comes to these mid-range guys. It's it's tough. and oh. The one that I'm most excited about is Reese Robson out of this list because I feel like he has the highest ceiling out of the three of these mid-ranges that we've chosen from. Like His average when he plays 80 is, is fantastic, but the problem is you've got Ruben Cotty you've got Jake Granville sort of waiting in the wings, and, and for 474K, not someone that I can start with straight away, but if, if we can see those minutes are, uh, are up there, like he is a very creative nine. I like him a lot. Uh, I think he, he is a good worker. Uh, you can see that from the 42 base. And he he possesses some good attacking upside when he gets the chance. But the problem is there there is a lot in the wings. And look, if if Jason Tamalolo was named at, at prop, it would put me a lot higher on Reece Robson because that would, you would think, have Ruben Cotter at 13. And Jake Granville is Jake Granville. So not a whole lot more to say there in my end, mate.
2: Look, I've got a little bit to say. I'm quite positive Tamalolo does play prop this year, and I think Ruben Cotter will be the 13. Ruben Cotter, I can't remember the numbers, but I think he played roughly the last 10 to 12 games of the season at starting lock. Now, Robson, I'll give you the stats, but you need to understand these numbers are skewed somewhat because his minutes weren't always consistent. Um, They were more consistent at the back half of the season. So his average was 54 last season. His base is 42. Um, His attack was 14. So he doesn't have a huge attacking upside at the moment. Um, His minutes were 63 average, which isn't too bad, but he actually did play quite a few games of 80 minutes at the back end of the season. Um, I think it was over the last 10 rounds. So for his his 18-minute games, he actually averages over 60. I think his average was 61.3 or something like that. And in the final round, um, I think they actually got thumped in the final round. He only scored 37 in that 80 minutes. So that 60-plus average I mentioned includes that 37. I haven't removed it. So there is a potential there that he could become one of those guys that could be a very handy plug if you can't afford these top guys or even if you were looking for someone else to play, if we don't get Booth or, or Will Smith or someone cheap in the hooker position, and you wanted to go gun and maybe semi-gun, Robson could be a real smoky option to, to plug out a 60 average this season. So I don't mind it at all. I hadn't considered the Lolo point that you mentioned, Josh, but that's a real good figure. Um, sorry, a real good point that you made. Um, Tamalolo's numbers at prop are actually quite good when it comes to his base. I'll go through that on the second row pod later this week. But if he's at prop and he's running off Robson, Robson could get, an increase in attacking junk. So I'm quite high on the pod move of Robson.
1: So Robson has a PPM of 0.86. So him at 65 minutes is about where he sits. I think it's about 55 average, if I can do the math off the top of my head. Um, and look, he's priced at 54. So not a whole lot of value there, but 65 minutes would have to be the minimum that he gets me to be interested, just based on, on historical PPMs. Um, but yeah, if he gets decent minutes and is and, and at 13 and and Lolo's at prop, and Robson could be, yeah, a really good plug-and-play for 474K, not someone that I'm excited to jump off this call with and put in my team, but if we see more from him during the trials, I'm definitely interested. That's going to round out the top five guns, the top three sort of mid-rangers. I've got probably five cheapies that we can can brush on quickly. These are more of sort of handcuffs. Uh, If you guys don't know the term handcuff, it's generally the backup of the... The main guy we've got, and if they if they if there's an injury preseason or if if there's a minute spike, then these guys will definitely move into consideration. Number one, Aaron Booth. Uh, we're gonna have to see him start to be to be viable. Um, it'll be between him and the next man, Aaron Clark, who is priced at 300k. So, whoever gets that starting job will be probably there for me. Even though both of them don't excite me a bunch, like Aaron Clark at 300k. If he can pump out 50 minutes, 55 minutes. And if Booth, I don't know. I haven't I haven't looked at the top thirty teams recently, but I'm under the belief that that Booth still hasn't been promoted.
2: Not not at the current time, no.
1: So Aaron Clark could be there for three hundred k. I don't hate it. Mitch Rain has left, so you'd think that would see him get some decent minutes. There's also Tanner Boyd to compete with as well. Um, so. A lot to, to consider, but then again, Ash Taylor's left, so maybe, uh, maybe Tedder Boyd slots into sort of the half-backup role rather than Hooker. So Aaron Clark is someone to keep an eye on. Uh, Billy Walters at 296k. He is available at 5.8 slash Hooker. Now, there's been some some little whispers that he's trading at 6 with Adam Reynolds. I don't know how much to believe in that on the 3rd of January. But, yeah, look, if, if Billy Walters gets to 6 at 296k, he could, I guess, be a lot of people's cheap plugs.
2: Yeah, uh, I quite like Walters. Um, at the moment, in my in my team thinking, I'm thinking that it'll either be him or Hetherington that ends up being my backup hooker. Um, Hetherington will discuss on the 2RF pod. Um, Billy Walters is a talented player and his dad should get a lot out of him. So it wouldn't surprise me if he does get the six. Um, I would have thought Albert Kelly earned it last year. Um,
1: or even bloody Tyson Gamble. Like Tyson Gamble played with like, a lot of heart like and that's what the thing that the Broncos need is blokes that play for the badge and I think yeah um, Albert Kelly played very well and and Gamble Bobo both played very well so it is it is weird to hear that the whispers that, that Walters is playing six
2: yeah but I guess he's he's younger as well and maybe they're starting to look towards the future um, they've lost a lot of guys because they've overlooked the future over the past few years and maybe they've just said look we this is the one that we want we lost Walker um, we lost Walsh, we lost countless others. Maybe th- that this is part of their thinking and, the and fact, future planning. And the, planning. the
1: fact that they've got like a competent seven now, like someone that can sort of help a young rookie half, not rookie, but like a young half get around. As a Tigers fan, man, I was really disappointed that we lost Walters, but I understand why he went. But yeah, I really rate mm. him as a footballer. And I think with Adam Reynolds there, could give him a little bit more, like obviously no disrespect to Brodie Croft, but he's not someone to lead your side. And and there was a reason that I, I think the, the Storm did let him go, and we end up seeing that. So, like, no, I, I still think there's a player there at some at some stage. But if Walters plays six with a competent half next to him, yeah, I could really get behind him at 296 just to play hooker for five rounds in my side.
2: Yeah, and I don't think their draw is too bad from memory either, so I don't mind it at all.
1: Now, Chris Randall, um, the only way that Chris Randall becomes relevant is if Braley goes down. You would think he is next in line, especially with Connor Watson exiting the building. Uh, Chris Randall made 71 tackles on debut, I think, from memory, and he's very, very boring for Supercoach. With, like, zero attack, but the bloke will churn through work. So if Braley goes down during the preseason, then you would think Randall's stocks skyrocket.
2: Oh, absolutely. But that would be pending an in injury. So I haven't looked too much into him at the moment, but if he had 71 tackles on debut, he's definitely a, a work, like a worker, which is I've got no issue with hookers being workers.
1: And the last play we'll discuss in this pod, mate, the one that a lot of people are here for, Jake Granville, fullback slash hooker, 239K. Yeah, <laughs> I see you shaking your head. <laughs>
2: it's a hard pass from me.
1: But like, yeah th- even when even when
2: Granville was relevant, he wasn't relevant for Supercoach really. I think he's had a few good games here and there but never been consistent and he's certainly not plugged in one of
1: my fullback spots. I might um, I might actually jump off this call after I do this and put Walters in for booth because I I don't know I can get behind Walters. I've got the cash there that the problem with picking Green is I need someone for round one. I can't just fill the spot. I need someone to play round one unless I unless I oh, yeah. unless I just take an AE. Um, oh, away.
2: switch switch uh, Cameron oh, McKinnis
1: yeah, up, McKinnis Mc, up. Yeah, and that'll be good if Hetherington gets to start because then you can just put Hetherington at two RF on the bench in your slot. That's Mc, my setup, McKinnis up, uh, mate. That is going to round off uh, our our first pod of two thousand and twenty one. Uh, so 21, 22. As I said, we're going to do three of these a week up until the end of uh, February. So strap yourselves in. 40 minutes to an hour. The 2RF one might be a little bit longer because there is a plethora to talk about. But hooker, mate, it's it's not good this year, is it?
2: No, I think most people are going to have pretty much the same type of recipe at that position. And, you know, there's only two slots. It's a bit like fullback. So, yeah, Harry Grant, Reid Marnie, Damien Cook. I think you'll see those names a lot in that position. And it'll probably be plugged with either a cheapy or a Ken McInnes, I think
1: bring back 2019 when we had Cameron Smith at 600k and we had Harry Grant at about 200. That was the ideal setup. That was the peak of Supercoach for me. Mate, I very much appreciate you coming on. I very much appreciate you putting together these stats. You've done the stats for our Front Row pod and our 2RF pod as well. Uh, As I said, make sure you've got notifications on. You guys on YouTube that are still watching, please subscribe, Uh, like as well. We got a lot of views on the uh, Teen Reveal podcast, I think we got over 1,500, which is huge for a channel that has 100 subscribers. So that's the goal for 2021: is to is to plug the YouTube more because we've got a lot of plans with the YouTube coming up. And if you want to be a part of this show, uh, YouTube is 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 where we need to be. Uh, Subscribe to. So that's my little desperate plug to to get people over there. Uh, as I said, Monday, Wednesday, Friday for the next eight weeks, Brew and I will be uh, breaking down. A lot of players that we will we'll be discussing, mate. I'm very very excited, and uh, as I said, mate, thanks very much for putting together all the stats for me.
2: No, no problem at all. I love doing it. Um, just for the listeners, if there is anything that maybe I've missed that you would like to know more of, please let me know. Um, I've pretty much done this based on the things that I look at when I, you know, do my preseason research. So, if there is any particular numbers that you'd like to know from players, um, give us a shout out on Twitter hit up Josh on Insta or reach out on Facebook. Let us know what it is that you want to know and I'll look into it for you.
1: I did put out a post on Insta, mate, um, asking for people in there and there are pe- like people that, that we want broken down. i got a list of about 70 names. So there's, uh, we discussed a few today, uh, but as I said, over the next eight weeks or so, we'll be discussing a whole lot more. I'm very, very, very excited. Uh, as always, mate, uh, what do we say? Ciao for now. Ciao for
2: now, guys. Cheers. See you next time. Bye.